Welcome and all aboard the crazy train. We're headed to a land of silliness, a land where the political hypocrisy is so outlandish it would make George Orwell blush, where the corruption is so naked and rank it would make a Ukrainian politician vomit, where the rhetoric and political division are getting so venomous and hateful that the Capulets and Montagues would tell us to cool our jets. But will we find our Romeo and Juliet? Is such a thing even possible? I, for one, was rooting for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Madison Cawthorn. But after Cawthorn tattled on D.C. for being a den of drug fiends and sexual deviants, and the establishment got him primaried for it, it seems like that ship has sailed. So, love will not conquer all in this tragedy, ladies and gentlemen. No, we are not in Romeo and Juliet. We are spiraling toward more of a Macbeth situation, where the king blubbers nonsense and is obviously going mad, and will soon achieve his final form of Dark Brandon, which the left will cheer, until he burns down a castle and murders every man, woman, and child in it, and then they will cheer even louder. And when we will not know freedom until the countryside is burning and littered with corpses, only then will our Macduff arise and no, it won't be Trump, and it probably won't be in your lifetime. So sit back and enjoy the ride. All that's left to do is laugh and prepare here in middle America as the chance of kill the boar, kill the farmer, waft across the sea from South Africa all the way to our shores, where they will, of course, echo the same sentiment, but will be instead something totally different, like kill the MAGA people, kill the farmers too, because they're probably MAGA people. But you'll be ready. Because you have listened to the Capo podcast and you'll know what to do. Now let's get to the show. I waffled just a little bit. There's one little one little misstep. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm I'm not Tucker Carlson. Do better, Sam. But I'm do better. better. Do better. Welcome to the Capo Podcast. It is Saturday, August 12th, and we're doing a morning show, and I have with me my producer. Now, I'm going to start calling you the producer, because it's really your role, That's what but I'm, also he's going to help going. me out. Uh, Ivan, here again. Um, we're not going to do any ad reads this morning. We're just going to jump right into the show. You guys know what you should be doing, where, where you should be buying clothes, what books you should be buying. You know all that already. So we're just diving right into the show. And as we get started, I'm going to play a clip to kind of set the stage for what we'll be talking about today. And here is that clip. Shoot to kill. Kill the poor, the farmer. Kill the poor, the farmer. Brr, pa, pa, brr, pa, pa. Attention. Now, a lot of you perhaps saw that video. It came out uh, last week out of South Africa, and it's 
one of the leaders of one of the largest political parties in South Af- Africa, and he's chanting to a screaming stadium of, sa- of fans, kill the boar, kill the farmer. Ivan, did you see that video? I did. I've got it pulled up right here. But, yeah, this is a, this is a soccer stadium that they are, and it's the economic, economic freedom fighters in uh, South Africa, right? Right. The far left political but basically it's a communist party it's a far far left political party and they filled the whole stadium yeah this is a packed out uh soccer stadium probably what uh i don't 50, know 50 58,000 yeah, something like that could be yeah so um this was not mentioned very much in most of the mainstream news uh i would say it was barely mentioned and even when it was People like CNN and MSNBC just kind of sneered at it. And these were the same people who a week before told you that Jason Aldean's gay country song, Try That in a Small Town, was somehow this horrible, racist, violent song. Those same people this week were saying, well, you don't understand this Kill the Boar chant. This is just a a cultural anti-apartheid song from years ago, and you're not supposed to take it literally. The same people were saying both of these things. And uh, literally farm, mur- farm murders and farm violence happen on a weekly basis in South Africa. Kill the Boar is an official slogan of violent blacks in South Africa, and they seem to be taking it quite literally. There were 77 farm attacks reported in the first 90 days of 2023. And then in July, there were 21 reported attacks, and it's only escalating since this video came out. After the big rally, there's been a huge spike in the past couple weeks. And I want to read you a headline from a story from two weeks ago. And the headline reads, Farmer's wife shot and raped in front of her children after gunman molested her daughter. This is from the article. It says, quote, He held the gun to my nine-year-old son's head and threatened to shoot him unless I complied. I told my little one to be quiet or else the man would kill us. And all I saw were his silent tears rolling down his little cheeks for the next four hours. The sight of that will be with me forever. He tied us all up with fencing wire so tight that our hands lost their circulation and turned gray. He shouted at my children that he was there to kill their father and that he would chop him up in front of them. He said that when he came through the door, they would watch him be butchered. All I could do was beg him not to make my my son do that. He just kept pointing the gun at my son's feet and saying he would shoot them unless he raped his mother in front of his brother and sister. I begged and pleaded with him not to do this and to take me into another room and to take me instead. He grabbed me and forced me into my bedroom and raped me there. There was blood everywhere. I had already been shot. I could do nothing as my hands were tied behind my back. He then brought my 13-year-old daughter to the bedroom, undressed her, and attempted to rape her. He was sexually molesting her, and all I could do was beg for mercy and to take me again. So instead of raping her, he forced my beautiful, innocent daughter to watch as he raped me again. I cannot describe my anger this man displayed toward us. And I knew as he raped me that if my children had any chance of survival, I had to get this man away from them and the farmhouse. This is what is meant when they chant kill the boar in South Africa. 
the EFF, the Marxist political party, is only doing what other Marxists have taught them to do. This is the same sort of thing that happened to the kulaks in Bolshevik Russia and then to a hundred other places where Marx, since Marx wrote his manifesto. A godless political ideology that when it's realized, it becomes not so godless after all. Because once the communists start rolling, once they get their revolution, they do have a god. And it is a god of revenge and rape and murder against whoever the targeted class may be. A god of envy and blood who teaches his followers to covet their neighbor's money, their class, their family, their possessions, and murder them for it. Bonus points if you can rape the women and the children. That is what kill the Boer means. And I hope and I pray that the white South Africans, these modern Boers, I can only hope that they discover their roots before it's too late for them. And I feel like I'm being too scripted. So, anyways. No, I mean, that, that's good. I needed to read the, to the whole deal. Yeah, because a lot of people like to say next time look into the camera. Yeah, but well, I guess we're we need a teleprompter. Eh, we're working on it. <laughs> we're working on it. But like I was talking to one of my cousins came in last night and he had not heard anything about this. And I feel like a lot of people probably haven't heard anything about uh, what's going on in South Africa. So I'd heard about it. Uh, my brother David, he had told me about this stuff going on in in South Africa, but I've never looked into it, who the parties were, why it was doing. It was just more of a racial thing, blacks versus whites. Uh, Which it kind of is, honestly. I mean, that's what the but, but, is. But this is mostly happening to uh, to the farmers, right? It's not so much going on in big cities, but it's where... I mean, it goes on in big cities, too, but mo- like most of the white people in South Africa don't live in the don't live in the cities they just most of them live they're mostly they're the descendants of all the colonists that's why they call them the boers the boers were the colonists from the mid to late 1800s and early 1900s in south africa yeah and so part of what i was just reading here look at the image right there they're up there on stage Doing their chant, kill the boar, kill uh, the farmer. Look what's and on the guy's hat. You see the guy's black hat? Uh, yeah, the star. It's a star. What color are they wearing? Red. Why? I don't know. I haven't looked about blood. Have you ever blood seen... You, you've seen the Soviet flag, right? What's on the Soviet flag? Besides the hammer and the sickle, what's on the Soviet flag? Uh, I don't know. You don't know? It's a star. What color is the Soviet flag? Uh, it's red. Red. What color is the Chinese flag? That's red. Red. What's in the top left-hand corner of the Chinese flag? I don't know. I don't study One single Chinese. star. Really? It's a star. So what's the meaning, the purpose between the whole red, I guess? It's, it's most communist parties have used red. It's not like, uh, which this is, once again, this is kind of a little bit of a political science thing. Like in politics, red is the color of power and aggression. Like, like Trump wearing his right. I red mean, power tie, right? Same, same deal. But historically, it's been a very communist color. In the Bolshevik Revolution, the the Bolsheviks called themselves the Reds. Like the war is called like the Reds versus the Whites. And then in um, 
in Cambodia. Uh, the Khmer Rouge. That's just red. They wore red sashes. It's a... I just... If you don't have any kind of historical context of it, you just see it and you, you're just like, ah, oh, just, you know, red guy, guy wearing a red shirt, um, hat. And then also you notice, like, what are they... Like, what kind of headwear are the other guys wearing? Uh, what, what do you call those? Those are little uh, military heads. Yeah, those little they? berets, and they're, little they're berets. military things. And you'll see that a lot, especially in Africa, but you also saw it in South America with, like, Castro and, and Che Guevara. That famous picture of Che Guevara, what's he wearing? He's wearing his little military beret. Yeah. And the... The reason I find it insane that, well, I know why, and we'll get to that here in a second, but n- nobody in America is really talking about this too much when it's obvious that these guys are gearing up for a genocide. Yeah. Like, genocides happen in Africa a lot, and it's pretty obvious at this point that they are they're gearing up to really have a genocide. Because the whole message of this party, of the EFF, is our land, our jobs now. Their viewpoint is a, a Marxist one, that all the land that is owned in South Africa, all the white people should be thrown off and all the land should be taken away and all the money should be taken away and it should be redistributed to who? To the blacks? Yeah, to the blacks. Because uh, in their mind, well all these white people came here and stole our land because they were evil, terrible colonizers. Now, can you imagine why our government doesn't, and our media doesn't want to talk about that? Because what have they been pushing for the last 20 years at least is this anti-colonialism, oh, we're the bad guys and we colonize the world and they have a right to be mad at us and yada, yada, yada. But they're saying that from like the suburbs of, you know, New York. When you're in the suburbs of New York and you're talking about how evil colonization is, like there's not a whole soccer stadium full of people who might come murder and rape you, right? But when you're a South African farmer, that's they're next door to you. So we have incited this, and we've been doing it for a long time. Our our media and our intellectual class and academia has been basically prodding this along for years and years and years. And all of a sudden stories like this are coming out where a mother is, is raped in front of her daughter. And it's a, it's absolutely a product of the type of rhetoric that they've been saying for years and years and years, but they don't want to talk about it because all of a sudden it's a little too real, right? Once the, once the farmers start getting murdered and the women and children start getting raped, it's a little, a little too real, right? I think that's what's going on. Um, but it's been like this for a long time, is what I was kind of getting at. Because like we've been since the '60s, since like the the movement of the '60s, where everybody was started going left, right? Like anti-colonial. Why are we involved in in Vietnam? The Vietnam War, the hippies, everything was like we. America and the West shouldn't be involved in any countries around the world. And that was going on in Africa, too, at the time. But a lot of Americans don't really know any of that history. 
like uh, if you say to somebody like if you even say the word Rhodesia or the country of Rhodesia, most Americans aren't going to know what you're talking about. And most I, Westerners. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Well, whenever you started like with most, all this Bolshevik stuff and uh, whenever I started looking up like the word apartheid, I, I don't know what that was. Yeah, we just don't. It's not something that we really learned about very much. So, And the, if you the, do, all you learn about in school is how great Nelson Mandela was and how evil those dirty, rotten white people in South Africa. Well, take, take a little bit to uh, kind of explain what that apartheid, what I got from it, what was, uh, what's the big city there? Uh, where the Johannesburg. Johannesburg, but anyways, mm-hmm. they used to divide the city, right? So, yeah, so in like this post-colonial South Africa and what was then Rhodesia, the people in charge of the government, of the governance of the country, was a minority class of white people. And it was not it wasn't a setup in a in a democratic way where everybody got to vote. And because it wasn't democratic during the 60s and 70s, everybody got it in their mind that if you're not democratic, you're evil. And so there was a push in Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. The country of Zimbabwe used to be called Rhodesia. There was a push in Rhodesia to enfranchise blacks, or where blacks outnumbered whites. You know, the the white population of South Africa is like 5% or something. Kind of same thing in Rhodesia. This big push to, well, we have to enfranchise the black people because it's not fair that white people run this country when they're only 5% of the population. And to everyone in the Western world, especially after... We'd been talking about democracy for so long, since the early 1900s, and we turned democracy into this sort of replacement for God, but that's a whole other episode. Um, The white people in Rhodesia were running into the same thing. Like There was a lot of hate for the white Rhodesians, and people were being murdered by guerrilla fighters, and so there was a war, and it was called the Rhodesian Brush War. And in the Rhodesian Brush War, you had the white minority government versus uh, radicals, black radicals in the country trying to do the same thing that Nelson Mandela did kind of in South Africa. And Rhodesia, the, the actual war itself, and this is why, why I'm... When I say, I'm going to title this episode, Kill the Boar, Pack a Lunch. Because the idea that, like, if you're just 5% of the population, the idea is like, man, you're just going to get murdered, right? If you, if you actually have a war, you're going to get destroyed. And that's what everybody kind of thought. Well, in the Rhodesian Brush War, the people who were in charge of the government, the white people in charge of the government, were just decimating the the guerrilla fighters, the rebel fighters. And just a couple statistics. One battle, this was called Operation Dingo. There was 200 Rhodesian soldiers against 10,000 African troops. And the results of the battle were two dead Rhodesians and at least 1,200 dead African troops. Another one was Operation Eland, 84 Rhodesians, against 5,000 African troops. Result, 
zero dead Rhodesians, and at least a thousand dead African troops. So every single battle in the Rhodesian Brush War was the Rhodesians just massacring the African troops. Why'd they lose then? Right? Like, that's the next question. Well, if they're just beating the tar out of them every time they fight, why does Rhodesia go on to lose its country? Well, it's because they weren't just fighting the African troops. They were also fighting this political fight against basically the entire world. There was no support for Rhodesia from the United States or Western Europe because everybody had jumped on this bus of anti-colonialism and pro-democracy. And anything that was democracy was good, and anything that wasn't democracy was bad. And so Rhodesia finally had to just give their country away, basically. And then it became Zimbabwe. And what do we, I mean, once again, not a lot of people know, but have you ever seen Black Panther? I have not. And people out there have seen Black Panther. And in Black Panther, there's this country called Wakanda, right? Wakanda forever. I've and heard of what it, is the, the country of Wakanda is like this super successful, technologically advanced civilization that's better than any other civilization that ever existed. Theoretically, if democracy and all this is so great, that's what Zimbabwe should look like today, right? Because the whites did the right thing and democracy prevailed and everything should have been rosy. What's Zimbabwe look like today? You think it's a Wakanda paradise? I don't even hear about them. It's, I've never it's looked not, into it, nothing. It's not. It's not successful at all. It's become a crap hole country like most of the countries in Africa are. Don't say that. It is, though. Can't call countries shitholes. Dude, every country in Africa is a shithole. Almost every country in Africa is a shithole. And the point being, just because it was democratic, maybe, and yeah, maybe there definitely were things, aspects of apartheid and the Rhodesian government that were pretty bad for black people, yes. But the we're how many generations removed from that now? At least two or three down there, right? It's the same sentiment as in America when you hear people talk about how it's so terrible that the land was stolen from Native Americans and, oh, slavery was so terrible, so what do we need? We need reparations, and people living there should give the land back to such and such, right? Yeah. And we're in a situation now where, like, there's nobody alive today that was a slave, and there's nobody in America, and there's nobody alive in America today that owned slaves, but we have this generational sins of the father thing where it's like, well, we still deserve reparations because my ancestors were slaves and some other people's ancestors were slave owners. And that's what's going on in South Africa right now. You have a whole bunch of people whose ancestors were Boers who did colonize the land and took the land from the native Africans. But they're how many generations removed from that at this point. When, when did that take place? Was it in the 60s, 70s, or before that? The Rhodesian Brush War? No, 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 because that seemed like that was even before all the, like, what's going on right now with the apartheid and... Well, apartheid what ended in the 
90s, early 90s maybe. You'll have to look that up. Nelson Mandela becomes the first black prime minister of South Africa. And this is one of those things that Nelson Mandela is the only thing you learn about South Africa in school. And it's because Mandela has become this sort of, of part of the creation myth of progressive liberal democracy. It was from 1948 to 1994. Mm-hmm. And then in 94, you had Mandela come in. And if, you, if people don't know how successful was South Africa from the mid-1900s until the 90s. Really successful, good GDP, had a lot of very clean cities. Like, it, it was a nice place. Since the 90s, how's, uh, how's South Africa doing? I mean, it's, it's not, not mentioned. Good. I mean, they, they don't mention that it. Nobody talks about it, but it's it's very bad. Like, you don't... Johannesburg, South Africa, is one of the most dangerous cities on the planet where you will get your you'll get your throat slit for like a cell phone. Like it's, it's probably more dangerous than a lot of big cities in Brazil. And Brazil is a very dangerous place. Like it's not a great place to be, but none of that matters because all that matters is we got, we brought democracy to it and we got rid of apartheid and they don't talk about it because the results haven't been so good. Right. Their, their theory was, well, if we make democracy come in, everything will be great. And then they did, and then it wasn't, and so they don't really want to talk about it because their theory doesn't match up with what the reality is. So was the U.S. involved in that with the bringing the democracy there? Was there a movement? Did the U.S. contribute in uh, somewhat ways? or Supported Mandela, yeah. Like, the whole world was pushing against first Rhodesia and then against South Africa. Like, hey, you have to, you have to get rid of apartheid because... But like America, when do we have our civil rights movement? The 60s. the 60s. And then so 30 years later, the whole world's going, well, you have to have your own civil rights movement down there and enfranchise all the blacks in South Africa. And um, I don't know. How, how well has our own... Like, uh, how good for the black community has civil rights been even in America? I'm not saying civil rights was a was a bad thing, but I'm saying like today, how is the black community doing in most big cities? Not great. Like there's there's this there's this myth that everything that's ever been done in the name of democracy and equality and equity is good and positive and there's no downsides to it at all. And that's just not true is kind of what I'm getting at. Um, so there's a little bit of background about South Africa and Rhodesia. So the dangerous thing, what you're trying to convey here is pay attention to it because the way that they're expressing themselves and what they're trying to do over there, what you see, you see a lot of similarities in what you say in, uh, in communist regimes or that yeah. came beforehand yeah. and what they're tr- trying, my, trying to push over there. My message would be like, when people tell you what they are, you need to believe them. Or when they tell you what they're going to do, you need to believe them. And that seems very simple, but we have this really 
bad habit of like these people, the EFF, we have this bad habit of like, well, yeah, they're singing kill the boar, but they don't really mean it. It's just not to be taken literally. Well, that's kind of what I was trying to get to. Look at the look at that image. From what you're saying, you pointed out, out a lot of historical, you know, imagery that's been uh, similar to to other regimes that do that kind of stuff. But look at the look at the guy's hands whenever they're shooting shoot to kill. Mm-hmm. Shoot to kill. Prah. Yeah, the farmer. I'm, yeah, shoot to kill. Kill the farmer. And it's not like, hey, we're gonna go to war with these men who are coming to enslave us, right? That would be a different thing. If it's like, hey, the boar is going to war with with us and these white farmers are are coming into our area and and shooting us or fighting us. That would be one thing, right? But when it is a when it is set up in the first place to be vengeance, that's a different thing. Because this is all about vengeance shoot and kill the farmer the farmers yeah maybe his great great granddad stole this land from somebody in your view but even if that is your view even if that is the truth according to you his great 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 grandson your answer to that is well because this guy's great great granddad did this thing i am now morally justified if i go chop him into little pieces and rape his wife and daughter that's the argument that's being made, and that's why people in America don't want to talk about it. Because when you say it like that, all of a sudden everybody just understands that that's morally repugnant. Or at least they ought to. But more and more it doesn't seem like like people do. But yeah, you said compared to other things. Like, yeah, this is what happened to the kulaks in, in Russia way back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, the Bolsheviks said, oh, you know, we're going to be this great communist revolution, and who is going to be the the target of the communist revolution? Well, in, like, pure Marxism, when you're reading about Marx, it sees the means of production, you know, get rid of the rich people. If we get rid of all the rich people who own the businesses and the land, then everything will be this free utopia. But that's really not who got just murdered by the truckload by the Bolsheviks. It was just like small landowning, like farmers and ranchers. I guess not ranchers. They didn't do a lot of ranching, but small farmers that owned not very much. They just owned a little bit of land and had a couple people working for them. Those were the people that just got murdered, but in droves. And they called them the kulaks. Hmm. Well, it, it's, and the it's, same sort of stuff happened. It was like the a group, a gang would show up to their doorstep. They would kill the man and they would rape and murder the the wife and the daughters and the children. Well, we'll keep an eye on it because, I mean, nothing nothing that I've seen good can come from it. Of course not. Yeah, it's, There's going to be a lot of bloodshed and they're trying to push a lot of this uh, uh, New World Order, uh, Davos, what's that that they got going on over there? The Economic Forum? World Economic Forum. A lot of yeah. the same messaging course it is yeah because it's not really it's never the people at the very top that and ever get so this guy this guy's running for president over there right yes the what's his name Uh, Molina. i don't know Molina, and 
and he, he's promising. He's if they get into yeah, power, if they get into power, they, they, we're gonna do this. They are gonna pay. And the thing that's maybe more troubling than that is you have his political party, which is the far left party, and then you have the party that's actually in charge. And the party that that's actually in charge is kind of a center left party. And even that party right now, a lot of the people on the, you would call it the more conservative side of what's left of South Africa's government are going to the people in power and like, hey, you have to condemn this. These these people are calling for genocide and you have to condemn it. And what are the people who are actually in charge saying? They're saying, well, I mean, they have a point. Your ancestors stole this land. Like <laughs> even the people who are supposed to be like the the ones that are actually in charge, the moderates and stuff are are just kind of like, eh, you kind of deserve it. And you see that online. If you go click on one of these news stories about a farm attack on like Twitter, or whatever, Facebook, whatever you do, you're going to see in the comments all kinds of people defending the rape and murder of innocent people for the sake of, well, they deserved it because they stole this land. And that sentiment is rising. And the reason I did this whole episode is like a lot of people who don't really care about foreign affairs that much will will ask like well what does this have to do with us what does this have to do with me what does this have to do with america right and if you it's not that they're chanting kill the boar in a soccer stadium in america but if you haven't noticed by now that there is a rising sentiment of this kind of marxist idea that landowners and farmers and rural people are inherently like bad. If you haven't noticed that yet, you need to start kind of paying attention to it because all the people who have any sort of levers of power or any sort of immunity from, from bad things, Antifa, BLM, that's what those guys are saying. Like if you listen to BLM Antifa, that's uh, the same message of BLM and Antifa in America is basically kill the boar, kill the farmer, kill the landowner, kill the, the landlord, Right, that's always been the Marxist thing: is kill all the landlords, and then we'll just own everything in common. But they never do, right? It's like the government owns it. Who owns it? The elite. The elite always own it, and the elite just use Marxism as a vehicle to power to get more power. See, that's why I keep telling you, uh, uh, people need to look into. There's a couple names that people have no idea, but Larry Fink, Larry Fink, uh, Soros. Look into those uh, big-time billionaire guys of why a lot of this stuff gets pushed and what their all the DEI scores, the ECEI and ESG, all that stuff that I was telling you about. That's uh, they are pushing all that stuff, and they have. That's what I was trying to convey. That we think that the U.S. Uh, that the president that somehow here that we have that he is the commander in chief and has all this influence around the world whenever uh, it's not true these companies have so much i think on the s&p 500 uh they have the largest shares in over 83 percent uh of the companies in the s&p 500 so the amount of influence and power that they have over governments all around the world especially especially people don't People don't understand it. People think it's a conspiracy, even though it's out in the open. 
kind of like what Haley was talking about last week. So what these three companies have, they own that much and they have that much power. I think here in the U.S., uh, there's the monopoly law that if one single company or a couple companies have over 50% of uh, the market share in in anything. That's why AT&T back in the day, they, they got uh, broken up. Broken up. Mm-hmm. They... Uh, but they're not. They're, it's not being applied right now. Why? Because I guarantee you, there's certain politicians or people in uh, government that are facilitating things for them to be able to push this whole one world uh, agenda. One world government. Yeah. Which we talk about all the lizards. Right. The lizards. No, and the thing is, the thing is, uh, I think calling them that it's uh, it's all fun and stuff, but they are. What these guys are, they're true believers in that. Like what you're talking about, the, the elites. When people talk about the elites, they view themselves as a higher power. They literally think that they are God. better. Yeah, they think they are better. Why? Than because you. they have so much influence by the decisions that they make that they can control government. In their eyes, countries. they are. In their eyes, if you're if you're somebody with that much money and power, and you let's say you're somebody like that and you don't believe in God, which most people, I would say a majority of people don't anymore. Why wouldn't you think that you're above everybody else? Why wouldn't you think that you are on a level of God when you don't really believe in God? Like, who's who's higher than you if you're, you know, Zuckerberg? Who's higher than you if you're Joe Biden? Nobody. In your eyes, right? Because Joe Biden's, he says he's a Catholic, but he's not, obviously. No. Um. But I, th- I think there is some good news. Like, it's not all negative, because the reason the Bolsheviks were able to kill the Kulaks so successfully, you want to posit a, a guess on that? What, why was it so easy for the Bolsheviks to just come in and murder all these farmers? I, I don't know. I don't know enough of that history and story. Well, let me put it to you this way. What, would you, what do you think would happen if a whole bunch of, like, if a gang of machete and pitchfork wielding people showed up to any farmer ranch in this county with machetes and pitchforks and was like okay i'm gonna drag you out and murder you and rape your wife Uh, they were outmatched with weapons right like there there's a a silver lining is like because i'm saying like if this ever came to america america the the kulaks in america which is would be me and people like me and people in our circle of friends are different than the kulaks in Bolshevik uh, Russia. And even different than like a lot of the South Africans. There's a few people in South Africa that own guns, but not very many. Most of these people that are getting killed. uh, What's the legislation? Yeah, what's the gun law? Not good. Not great. Not nearly what they are in America. Like it's not... It's not nearly as easy to, to own a gun in South Africa as it is in America. And if you use it, like if if the farm people show up and they're going to come to your farm and kill you, and instead you blast the first guy through the door and blow his head off, what do you think is going to happen to you? Probably when it goes to the you. courts, you're going to prison. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's why I say this is going to be like this in America. Like it's not that... Um, it's not that people can't defend themselves. It's that they're going to criminalize it. Like if you, 
if so, like they're already trying to do this, that like if with the Black Lives Matter riots and all this is like, well, why do you care? It's just don't you have insurance? It's just your building. Let them burn your building down. You have insurance. If you try to stop them, we're gonna throw you in prison. You know what I mean? That's what's going on in the courts because the courts are absolutely gonna do that. The cops are absolutely gonna do that. They're not your friend. They're not on your side. They're on the other side because yeah. we've gotten to a point where it's just like that, and that's why it's kind of. I think people need to kind of think about it in an American sense, like, because everybody likes to say, well, that wouldn't happen here because, you know, we don't, we don't dial 911. You know what I mean? Like, people have that outlook, but when it comes down to it and that day comes, you, and you realize that, like, oh, if I do this, I'm going to go to prison and my life's going to be over, even though I'm morally in the right. Somebody comes to your house and is stealing stuff from you, breaks in your door. In most states, or I don't know, and I would say about half the states in the United States where there isn't a castle doctrine or a where the rights of the Second Amendment aren't really abided by, somebody breaks into your house and you kill them, you're going to prison. And even in states like Oklahoma, where we do have like a castle doctrine where you're legally protected if somebody breaks into your house and kills it you're still going to get drugged through the court system for a decade and they're still going to just drain you of all your money there's still going to be civil suits that they're going to take out against you you kill the guy his family's going to sue you like there's so so many things like that that people don't think about that are kind of like the blowhard tough talking people they don't think about it and it doesn't happen very often in America because also the criminals know like, yeah, I might get my head blown off if I try that, but it's, we're in a, we're in a bad place. If you actually ever have to end up defending yourself because you're going to get drugged through the mud. But the good news is if it ever got to the scale of like a, a government doing it, like the Bolsheviks did in Russia, America is not going to be the rule American South and the American West are would would be an absolute graveyard for any sort of aggressors if it was on a government scale. Like, uh, I don't know, they call it Appalachistan, right? Call it Appalachistan for a reason. Um, the Rocky Mountains would be like the, I call them the Rocky Mountain rice fields. Because if you went in there and you tried to really mess with rule people on a scale it would not go good for the aggressors. It would be way worse than Afghanistan, way worse than than um, Vietnam. People get massacred. Welcome to, and then our area would be like New Comancheria. Welcome to the rice fields. Okay, so whenever okay. we talk about all these things, I like to bring up some of the things that are going on here in the country that it's the idea, what you start seeing how business owners bad uh we're a victim they start selling a victim mentality of why we need to pull all these things raise taxes uh criminalize this type of thinking of that anybody who thinks that hey let the strong survive and the the weak will come along and uh you know but anyways what I was getting to, this no-cash-bail idea that's getting implemented. Have you looked into this? I've heard about it. No-cash-bail. Just look at this. How does this sound? Money bail 
is a system that privileges the wealthy and the powerful over the poor and the innocent. Mm, exactly. And they wonder why San Francisco is like a wasteland. Like this they is, just let all the criminals go. This is off the San Francisco district attorney's page. Mm-hmm. So in essence, what is this? This cash bail is that if you get caught in criminal uh, doing whatever crime, I'll, you get released. They can't hold you. Mm-mm. You know what I think would fix that? What's the point of having a, a prison system? There's not well. If you talk to these people, the the idea is oh, there's way too many people in American prisons. There really shouldn't even be a prison system because the prison system doesn't do any good. That's that's their view because you have a whole bunch of people that do not believe in that do not believe that punishment should be a part of the legal kind of system for your crime. Like people are always talking about oh. We need to focus on rehabilitation and we need to rehabilitate the criminals. And there's, they don't think that punishment should be any part of it. And nobody's ever operated like that in the history of mankind. And I don't know why we think we can, but it's not going to work, people. We have too many, there's too many wild, kind of almost savage level people living in the country. America is not like Norway. Right, it's not like you can have the same kind of prison system Norway has, where the longest prison sentence you get is like five years, and you stay in a five-star motel in a Norwegian prison. Um, you can't do that in America. There's too many scumbags, and that's sad, but that's that's the truth. That's where we're headed. But that's the whole scumbag thing. That's not just America. There's every every country, every part of the world has its its scumbag people. That some just... countries have more though that don't respect any type of rule of law. Yeah. But there's countries that don't really have as much of a problem with it. People, there's a lot of countries where there aren't a whole bunch of people that are just unfit for civil society. Like you don't see Japan having a lot of problems with a whole bunch of crime, right? You don't see it in, you didn't see it in a lot of the Norwegian countries until they started busing in, thousands and thousands of people from the Middle East. You just, there's a lot of places where you don't see it. And then on a state level, like Beaver County, a lot of, there's some bad stuff that goes on. There's there's some bad stuff that people don't know about that goes on. But compared to like Chicago, you know what I mean? It's, this is a relatively safe place to live. Um, But I, I don't know. We It would get, it would take too long to get into all the reasons why there are more scumbags in some places than others or why people why, in the third world why, have more problems. What is it in, in business or anything in life uh, with law? What, you're either incentivized to do something or disincentivized to do something, right? Yeah. So let, let's say, hey, what stops me from... Okay, so what it says here... Uh, what the bail law does. New York's bail law currently eliminates money bail for most misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies. Okay, I can go steal whatever I want from Dollar General or whatever store. And as long as I'm nonviolent about it, be out the next day. Be out the next day. And mm-hmm. it didn't cost me anything. Nope. <laughs> it's madness, dude. There's because you're right. Like you either you're in at that point you are incentivizing the crime. 
Exactly. But they're that's the th- they're doing that on purpose. Like they want they want things to break down because the more it breaks down, the more people are going to accept uh, higher taxes and more government rule. Right. And they, the thing is that they will start with this and then it will turn out to be like you're saying if you wind up shooting somebody that's breaking into your house. Yeah, you damn sure ain't getting cashless bail. The criminal is protected a lot more than what the actual person defending their property and their their home and their family is. Yeah, and why is that? It's because they want to incentivize the crime, and they want to de-incentivize doing anything about the crime. See, I feel like you're a vigilante. They're 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 pulling strings. The reason that they do this stuff and put it into law that way they have something to hold on to that where they can argue and prosecute people to because if it's not if it's not in law they can't process a case and then find precedent to to keep charging people for these types of uh, crimes that they created right so what they do they create chaos amongst the civilization to start putting you know the lower tier class versus the higher tier class uh Producers versus non-producers. Perhaps something like class warfare. Exactly. Because that, what is, where have and I whenever, heard that before? And whenever class warfare doesn't work, hey, let's pull out the race card. Yeah, that's just, I mean, that's the whole reason that race is such a big argument in America is because they realize that the class warfare doesn't work well, so it's good. in the news every single day. Yeah, but why? Because it works. Yeah. And that's it works why. works in separating the classes and generating generating hate for a different class, which helps them gain power. But then all of a sudden, once you get to the end of that road, you get South African farm murders. And all of a sudden, all these innocent people are getting their guts cut out. And all the people in charge, well, some of the people in charge will be like, oh my gosh, whoops. But most of them will be like, good. See, I heard at the end of the day, like we can't, like the bright picture or the bright light in all of this is what I figured out is. In America right now, we have good people, but we have bad people in charge. We got a lot of bad people too. There's a, but it's it's <laughs> not. I think there's a lot more. I think it's probably 80, 80, 20, 90, 10, good versus bad. I'd say maybe maybe seventy, but I'm I'm I I do think the majority are still decent law abiding people. Yes. Yes, and we just disagree on a certain couple of things. But right now, mainstream media, whether it's Fox, CNN, MSNBC, all those people, legacy media, they're the ones pushing all this. But, I think if people would shut that off, turn it off on their phones, and would tune in more into certain podcasts now. Uh, like the Capo podcast. Capo podcast. That's right. Or there's a couple other ones that I tune into. Daily Wire to... Uh, there's one called Breaking Points that the host, one of the hosts is uh, Sagar and Jody, and he's more of a conservative, and Crystal Ball is more of on the lefty side. But they go back and forth, and they can find middle ground on a lot of things. But there's certain things that you notice. They probably agree on about 80% of the things that, uh, that of the topics and all the stories that they cover. One of the reasons I'm cynical, though, is like what really... What really keeps people from not just breaking the law, but like what keeps people, most people, in a in a sense of morality, like in a sense of it's wrong to do 
such and such. For me, I think the thing that keeps people in that mindset is religion and then like even generational like foundation of religion. So even if even if you're the typical millennial and you're not religious, you decided you didn't believe in God, generally a lot of them were still raised in houses that were maybe one or two generations removed from somebody who was devoutly religious and very serious about their morals. And so even if you're not religious, if your parents were, your grandparents were, there's still a foundation of the way you were raised and the the virtues and and morals you were raised with are still in you. Those are Christian morals, even though you don't believe in God or Christianity. Those are still Christian morals that are that are in you. But once you get four or five generations removed from it, and all of a sudden, let's say you're a dozen generations removed from any sort of religious morals, what what is your foundation of morals really on at that point? Like why why can't you steal? If like what's the what is the disincentive to steal if you don't really believe in Christian moral values and the pol- the political people you follow are telling you actually it is okay to steal as long as you're stealing from this person. At that point, are you really going to think it's bad? The way you and me think it's bad, but why? What? What's? Uh, you're saying that religion that that's kind of the overarching, let's say, a universal law that yeah. to us as Christians, me as Catholic, uh, those the Ten Commandments apply to me all around the world, right? I'm not I'm not just following Thou shalt not kill, Thou not steal, and all those things because my government of the United States says that it's bad, or there's laws no, in my state. That's, that's what I mean. It's no, it's a, it's a universal religion. law applied to to blacks, to Asians, to wherever it is that I am on this world. Yeah, but a lot of people don't have... Like, that's why the Ten Commandments are so revolutionary in human history. There's a lot of people that don't have that. We're going to talk about it here in just a second. Like, there's a yeah, lot of but, people that even... why is that? There's a lot of people that don't consider the Ten Commandments to apply to anybody outside their tribe. See, and I think... I think weak leadership out of men, especially here in the United States and Mexico, anywhere that we see all these things, I think it shows the state of leadership that you have in men. I I agree. And I think that everywhere you look where you see really, really dysfunctional societies, you're going to see that 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 Ten Commandments basis either doesn't exist or it only applies to people within my tribe. Like, I don't steal from my neighbor, but my neighbor is my brother or cousin or the guy that's in my tribe. If it's somebody from over there at that tribe, I can kill him and steal from him because he's outside of the law. And that's what a lot of uh, Western people don't think like that, so it's hard for them to grasp that. But that's how most of the world operated. So what you're saying, even though though you've been wronged, this still, our religious law doesn't allow vengeance. Right. So things rooted in vengeance like this, uh, like kill the exam- boar, kill the boar, for example, take what's the going land on back. over there. Reparations, Any reparations, anything that's rooted, it, nothing, nothing good is going to come out of that. Should I take this call? It's dad. Let's see if it works. Yeah. Hello. Welcome to the Capo podcast. Can you hear me? 
Capo Cup podcast. Yeah, you're on the Capo podcast. Oh, man. I thought you were going to help me gather these cows this morning. I told you I could at 10. I said from 8 to 10. Okay, 10 o'clock. Okay. I'm going to go back. I have one idiot didn't want to come, got her in, and she let everything else back out. So when you get done, we'll saddle up and see if I got anybody else who wants to ride. I'm going to call Ben. All right. See Where? B-Rent? Are we going to the B-Rent? Yeah, I want to get the B-Rent home today. Okay. I will meet you at the ranch in 30 minutes. Good. See you. See ya. That's staying in. Yeah. Anyways, um, so we need to start wrapping up 30 minutes. What were we just talking about? Uh, it's kind of the uh, universal law of the Ten Commandments of why the breakdown, oh. the breakdown of a higher, a higher law. I want to springboard off of that into this week in the news because one of the things in the three things this week in the news has to do with this. Number one, Dennis Prager, who is a famous popular conservative was in an interview, and he said in the interview that only actions are only evil, or evil is only actions. And he wouldn't technically say that viewing animated child pornography would be, quote, evil. Really giving some anno to anti-Semitic people who think that the Jews run the world <laughs> with that one. Um, but the, the point being is, Dennis Prager is Jewish. And Jewish people have a little bit different view of morality than Christian people do, because Jewish people don't really have that Jesus Christ Sermon on the Mount. Because when Christ is giving the Sermon on the Mount, he says some—I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's something along the lines of, you've been told not to murder people, but I tell you, even if you are angry with your brother, or even if you've thought about it, you're murdering him in your heart. You've been told not to commit adultery, but I'm telling you, if you even look at a woman with desire and lust in your heart, you're committing adultery. And that is a very Christian notion, and that's why that's how Christianity is a little bit different than Judaism. That's why a lot of people are like, holy cow, I can't believe Dennis Prager said this. This is vile. It's like, yes, it's vile, but it's because you're coming from a Christian understanding of moral ethics— and Dennis Prager is coming from a Jewish understanding of moral ethics, where it's the action that is evil. The, the physical action is evil. The, you know, thought of it or like viewing animated child pornography, I would say is evil. Throw you in the wood chipper. Dennis Prager says, well, it's not an actual action, so I can't say it's evil. And that's what we're talking about. Like the, if you have a foundation that is not morally Christian, you're going to like, there's going to be things about you and about your worldview that are going to blow Christian people's minds, even if they're not Christians, right? Like people who aren't Christians are going to hear Dennis Prager say that and think, oh my God, that's disgusting. Right. But it's because they have a Christian understanding of morality and evil, even if they don't realize it. Because yeah, it's, it's well, baked even, into even, a thousand generations. So why... Even 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 in our legal system, uh, why do we have the crime of a conspiracy? Right. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was no crime committed. The cousin of the Uvalde shooter was conspiring to carry out an attack. He was looking to buy a gun. 
He was going to go do it, but he didn't go do it. And he was still arrested for it. He still had to pay for... He conspired to do Dennis, it, right? Dennis Prager would say, eh, no. So have you, I, I listened to, I'm pretty sure it's this clip right here, but it, he did an, uh, an interview with a guy that does uh, Pints with Aquinas. And so part of the reason that he thinks it's fine, his dad, he uses his dad in his mother's marriage that went on for 90 years, or I think the mom was... Something started happening to her where the the last 20, 15, 30 years, whatever it wound up being, uh, he knew that they weren't having relations, right? So his dad was still committed, took care of her and all these things, but he wound up, he found porn in his dad's office. And he uses that as part of a, hey, that kept his dad around for his mom if he needed to go rub one out, you know, to, to old Playboy over here. Yeah. That was completely fine. And that's just a different moral view. Which I know Playboy wasn't around then, but he had something. He yeah. had some type of deal. But All right. Well, number two, um, news in the week. Uh, Minnesota judge sentences Tao Thao to four years in prison. And Tao Thao was the guy that at the George Floyd uh, event... Wasn't one of the guys arresting George Floyd. Wasn't one of the guys holding George Floyd on the ground. He was the guy doing crowd control. The guy doing crowd control at the George Floyd thing just got four years in prison. For He was the cop keeping the guys that were all filming all that stuff just Mm kind of back, making sure Mm -hmm. that they didn't step in, right? He was sentenced to four years in prison for the crime of being close to George Floyd when George Floyd OD'd. That's it. That's the crime. He was close to George Floyd when George Floyd OD'd on fentanyl. And so you get four four years in prison. He's a polit that's nothing if not being a political prisoner. And the reason I'm mentioning it is because he was during his trial, he was uh he gave a statement that was basically he said, I'm not gonna play Judas to the mob and I'm not going to grovel and beg forgiveness for something that I know I didn't do because that's not the Christian thing to do. And which is awesome. And then the judge got all smirky and smarmy. Like I really expected less preaching. Like what a dirt bag. What was, what was that guy's name? Tao Thao. T-A-O-T-H-A-O. That's not it. T H A O, not Taufo. That's a food. Anyways, we gotta. I gotta shoot through the rest of this because I gotta go gather cows. Um, number three this week in the news was the TikTok trend that is encouraging women not to get married. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's like a a video where the girl goes to put on the ring, and then it's this flash of like having to clean and being pregnant and yada 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 yada. But everybody was like, well, this is obviously a uh, Chinese psychological operation trying to get Western people not to get married and have children. And everybody's like, oh, you're just crazy. But then people were like catching screenshots of the video 
and you can see all this stuff in the background that's marked with Chinese lettering. So it was an obvious Chinese psyops thrown out on TikTok for all your kids to watch on TikTok, telling them not to get married, not to have kids, telling women, apparently, if you don't get married, you don't have to clean your house, I guess, is how that is going to work. But um, get your kids off TikTok. It's a open Chinese psychological operation trying to destabilize the culture openly. So get them off. Get off TikTok. Get your kids off TikTok. Are you pulling it up? I think so. I'm having audio issues with it, though. Audio. Well, we got to jump through anyway. I got to leave here in just a second. Um, what's going on in the beef? We have, uh, once again, cow chips coming up. That is week after next. It's going to be the cow chip shoot week after next. Everybody went back to school this week. That's going on. Um, hero of the week. I sent this to Ivan, and I don't know if he agreed with me, but I'm rolling with it. It's going to be that Oliver Anthony guy who sang the the viral uh, song. I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull this up. So this guy was like completely unknown a week ago, and then one of his songs went viral. And now he is just like, well, this is an ad. So we're going to listen to the ad first. He has like blown up in two days and his entire life is now completely changed, which I don't know if it's always a good thing, but everybody was talking about this and this went completely viral. Even Joe Rogan like shared it and that I think that's probably what made it blow up. Yeah. He kind of tends to have a little bit of a Joe Rogan effect on it. Yeah. I really wish it didn't. This is the song. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away. It's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true. But it is, oh it is, living in the new world With an old soul These rich men north, the rich men, Lord knows They all just want to have total control wanna know. All right, I don't want to play it all because I don't want to get copyrighted yeah, I don't even, I don't even think good. it's on I don't even think it's on like uh I don't think anybody owns the copyrights. It's just him yeah, out there. Yeah, it's just him right now. Yeah. Well, I'd like to shoot him an email. And don't think you know. <laughs> Get in line. But no, I, I, th- I think he's I don't think he have an issue with it as long as people... Well, shit, we're not making any money off of it. <laughs> That's true. We'll send you a couple pennies on the dollar that way. Might make. All right, so that came out. And then um, everybody on the right was just, just blown away by it. And then everybody on the left was mad about it. But I have a th- I have a, a theory. I thought about this for a day or two, and I my theory on why this captured so many people's attention and imagination is this is the type of music that blue collar Southern and Western America loves. But 
everybody who sings it that's in the mainstream is really kind of just like a hick lib, right? They're not real. Like they even like Tyler Childers is all on board with the progressive. He did that gay coal miner song the other day. Like everybody in the music industry is left leaning. Like there's almost nobody that's big that isn't uh, liberal. And that's just how music is. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this guy comes out and he's singing about the newer, about how the world's going to shit. And if you're a man, you're working your ass off for bullshit pay just to get by. And it's a, it's like this tragic kind of bluesy bluegrass thing that so many people are jumping onto it and loving it because it's real and it's true. And that's something that, um, it's, it's art. It's like actual real art. That's not faking it. And that's why I think people just loved it. It's like, uh, Americans love like watching that America's got talent thing and seeing people come tell a really sad story and then sing a song. But most of the time it's not really real. And suddenly they, they got caught a little glimpse of somebody real. It's authenticity. Yeah. And people want that. And the, and yeah. people who, people who are on the other side, like don't understand, like people that are on the other side, don't understand what people on our side, what, what the problem we have with non-authenticity is. Like when, when Tyler Childers writes a song about gay coal miners or, or like uh, Ryan Bingham is this big uh, Beto O'Rourke supporter. Like the other side doesn't understand why that annoys real blue-collar working class people. It's because that's not who they are. Like you, you're, you're trying to tell them who they are and they just view everybody that's blue collar working as a bunch of idiots and rubes and they don't really know anything. Non-college educated. Yeah. You're not college educated. So you're kind of a piece of shit and you don't really know anything and you're dumb. And that's not the case. It's just that you're, it's a different culture. One of the, we have a complete one of the things different culture. that I always, it just kind of, ate at me a little bit that every time you'd watch CNN, MSNBC, and they'd break down the statistics of how of, the of who was more likely to vote for Trump and who was more likely to be a Trump supporter. And it oh, they always broke it down. If you're non-college educated, you're a Trump supporter. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of college educated people out there supporting also. Yeah, I went to college. And you're a Trump supporter. Mm, mm, let's not go that far. <laughs> let's not... You'll get go there. there. You'll get there. Whenever uh, you don't have another choice between... Well, if there's no other... If it's between... If it's beta... If it's between if it's, Trump and Gavin Newsom, yeah, I'm going to vote for Trump. I can't vote for Gavin Newsom. Speaking of that, we would go another hour on the recent developments and all that. I, they're, yeah, but, they're, they're making their move. Do you see that they... Yeah. Uh, We're going to... We need Special to, counsel got appointed. We'll, we'll hit on that next week, I think, maybe. Uh, they, they're making their move. They're yeah. making their move. The, it's coming. Pay attention to the news. The move's coming. Joe Biden's Joe days. Biden's out. Newsom's going to be in. They're going to try to get Trump out. And he, it's not going to be DeSantis anymore, dude. He like his campaign was a dumpster fire and he's it's not going to happen. No, right? it's not. I'm sorry. He, he he might as well just bow out now and maybe try again later. That's would be my advice. All right, finally, last deal, the biggest loser on earth 
And this week, our award for Biggest Loser on Earth goes to the U.S. women's soccer team because they are gigantic losers, and it's hilarious, and I think it's funny. And we're going to just end it there. I'm not even going to explain myself. You suck, U.S. women's soccer team. Get wrecked. Easy. I think I think they're wearing a lot of flag that Megan Rapinoe put on them. Yeah. And Good. None of them. I guarantee you, when she's out, suck harder. We're going to win the next one. I don't care. But I don't like soccer, and you probably have a little bit of affinity from, for soccer. Cause That's just the most popular sport in the world. Yeah, it's gay. <laughs> See you next time on the Capo Podcast.